I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Thursday. Luka with the monster. Now the Mavs, one game from advancing. If you look at the series price, Mavs are minus 160. That means there's a 60% chance the Clippers will be eliminated. Looking ahead to the next round, the big one in the East, Brooklyn-Milwaukee. We got the odds. Brooklyn, a minus 200 favor. Tonight, the Lakers may be eliminated. They are favored at home by two points over the Suns. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm R.J. Live in Las Vegas, live on a Thursday, live on 225 FSR stations. Across this great, great nation, we got some special attendees here at the studio. The mother-in-law is here. Now listen, if your daughter calls you a decade plus ago and say, I'm dropping out of law school and I'm moving to see a guy in Vegas, let's just say that that guy in Vegas better make it good. So (laughs) (laughs) we kind of appreciate that. And we got a full show here. And obviously it's bookended with the L.A.'s. We got the Clippers one game from being eliminated after last night, and the Lakers potentially eliminated tonight. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we have some key matchups in the NBA playoffs coming up later on tonight, plus a disappointing performance at home for one title contender. What do we have for the Vegas lead here on this Thursday? Okay, what I'm going to say is we are going to do a special last segment of the show. So I'll be about 646 or so Eastern about 45 minutes from now or so. Lakers, Suns, we're going to do a big preview. I've got a prop bet that I'm probably going to have a best bet on. And the line on that, because we're going to wait till then, the Lakers are favored by two points. What I find interesting about that, they're the home team. And the fact that the Lakers, there's a greater than 0% chance that AD might play, I don't think there's a good chance. I don't think it's even 10%. But let's say it's greater than 0 That means, according to this line, the Suns right now are a better team than the Lakers without AD. Because the average line, home team in the playoffs, if you account for how good the teams were, the home court advantage has been about two points. The fact the Suns are two points underdogs and the Lakers are only a two-point favorite means that with any chance of AD playing – that means that without AD, the Suns are the better team. So as much as we don't know how good the Suns really are, well, with one player gone from the Lakers, the Suns are considered by the betting market in an elimination game for the Lakers to be better than the Lakers. And we'll hit that at the end of the hour. Vegas lead for me, 
the other bookend, the Clippers, and that really disappointing game last night. Yeah, it was disappointing. The L.A. Clippers, who had come back to tie the series two games apiece with the Dallas Dallas Mavericks, get back home to Staples Center and find themselves on the short end. The Mavericks, a 105-100 win. Dallas now takes a 3-2 series lead. You know, smart people tend to not want to keep things simple. They like complexity because that's where they shine. I'm going to propose, Jonas, the following. Maybe this is simpler, this series, and maybe the Clippers for the last two seasons are simpler than we think. It's when they have to try hard or there's going to be big-time consequences. Maybe people fired, people shipped out of town. They try hard. Any other time, their effort is hit or miss. When they were down 0-2, they tried hard and won. They were down 1-2, they tried hard and won. 2-2, they're at home, clear favorites in the series. Oh, look, the effort level didn't seem to be there. Is it really that simple that if all we did was say, is there a reason for the Clippers to play hard, then we play on them. And if there isn't an explicit, obvious reason, we look to go against them. Has the last two years told you anything that would contradict that in a major way, Jonas? Um, No, although I I don't know how to quantify whether or not they're playing hard because you you would have thought last year with Denver making the run and getting back in the series like the way that they did, that they would come out and, and be ready to go and respond at some point when they felt threatened. This, I mean, last night, I don't think their defense was bad. I I just think they couldn't hit shots. They couldn't. And then the turnovers late, they had an opportunity late, and they turned the ball over again with a chance to take the lead. It just feels like in these big moments, they're they're unsure of themselves. And and when, when the game's on the line or the series is on the line, they don't know how to respond. I think you're making a great point because most of the time, there aren't these cataclysmic consequences and when, if that's what it takes to motivate them, then sometimes that motivation might be there, but the, the nerves, the pressure is too much. Because let's be honest, what do they say about practice and anything you do? Is if you practice it enough, you are almost on autopilot, and thus the nerves don't affect you as much. They talked to President Reagan. He gave a famous speech in 1984. Uh, It was on the, uh, I think, the 45th. uh, No, it was the 40th anniversary of D-Day. And he was in France. And it was a super emotional speech. We actually played it here once about two years ago on D-Day's anniversary. And they asked him, it was Peggy Noonan wrote the speech. And they asked him how he got through it without, you know, choking up. And he says, you read it so many times that eventually you don't even know what the words mean. That it's in your head. You're say, it's like a song you hear all your childhood. You might not have thought of that song that was at the eighth grade dance or whatever, Jonas. But if, so, if you hear it, you're going to know the end of the verse. And it's not even your thinking. It's kind of burnt into your brain. I think a guy like a Michael Jordan or the great Tiger Woods, they get into that routine that when the pressure's on, it doesn't affect them. Because they've done it so many times. And there's sports science is huge with this. So, I mean, you know, I'm saying it very simply. There's nuance to it that, that's not being appreciated right now. 
But to me, the Clippers, what we know is they haven't been together long enough. And when they are together, it doesn't seem like they have an urge to play. Load management or someone wants to go get hot dogs at the strip club. Whatever <laughs> it seems to be in Atlanta, is, they, is there's always a reason not to play. And it's like the guy that doesn't want to work out. If it's 72 degrees and no wind, he'll go for a jog. <laughs> but if it's 79, it's too hot. If it's 62, it's too cold. If it's windy, the dust gets in his eyes. It feels like the Clippers only want to play when it really is perfect. And you know what? It's not enough time to get into the routine that helps them during the highest pressure situations. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, when's the last time you remember tying your shoes? I mean, it's just sort of you, you do it so many times in your life, you don't really remember a specific time that you did yep. it. Um, but w- with the Clippers, yeah, it's – it's a weird thing because you would have thought all the momentum, Luca not 100%, um, you know, they'd be feeling better about themselves. Everybody was writing them off after the first two games. And then to be down, and look, the game shouldn't have even been that close. They were down 10 with a minute or so or two minutes left in the game. They made a comeback. They got it to within one. And again, late in the game, couldn't figure out a way to, to, to get over the hump. Kawhi, you know, had a, had a bad shot and they had a bad play uh, designed and to, to end the game there. And then they end up losing and now they've got to go back. And as you said, backs are completely against the wall. Season on the line. Probably this era of Clippers basketball on the line against Dallas uh, with a quick turnaround. That's Jonas Knox. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Clippers Mavs series price. Dallas minus 160. 160 wins you 100. Clippers plus 140, 100 wins you 140. Imputed, Dallas is a 60% chance to advance. You mentioned Luka, 42 points, 14 assists. If you look at him for the series, 35 points per game, 8 rebounds, almost 10 assists. Heck, he's got a steal per game. I mean, (laughs) here's the question. How much of this, and and I'm going to say this very precisely, how much of this is that the United States, the American style of ball, which is AAU, is the progenitor of it. It's where it comes from at this point. Every seemingly good player from the U.S. is a product of the AAU system and not as much a product of the college system because most of the best players don't spend that much time in college versus Europe. And however we want to characterize that European system, it seems like it's driven more with teamwork and it's driven more by coaches with authority. I mean, one of the things that we've talked about a good bit on this show is in the NBA, and we talked about it with Brad Stevens, the coach is not the ultimate authority, even on the court. Whereas if LeBron wants one thing and Vogel wants another, what do you think's happening? If Vogel wants his job, he's doing what LeBron wants. How can an authority figure not have authority? That's what coaches, in many cases, if not a majority of cases, have become in the NBA. First of all, do you agree with that, Jonas? That the superstar has more authority typically with an organization than the coach. Yeah, 100%. If they want you gone, you're going to be gone. We've seen it with LeBron throughout the course of his career. If he didn't like a coach, didn't like a teammate, uh, he was going to be able to get him removed. No doubt. And, and the, um, 
I'm forgetting the dude's name. He came from the Israeli league. Was oh, the coach? Yeah. Um, God, I forget his name. But then he went to the Spurs as an assist. Yeah. I mean, that was a situation. A guy that was super pedigreed. And LeBron did. Now, I'm not saying that. Hey, we can all decide if that's right or wrong. And LeBron's had a lot of success. But David what I Blatt. know. Yes. 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 Yeah. What I what I know is that not everyone's LeBron. And you get and you look at it and you look at Kawhi and Kawhi rightfully has a real pedigree. That there's a sense of hey, here comes the guy that wins. But let's not forget he won the first one as not the best player on that team. Or he could have been the best, but it was close. Duncan was still right there, and 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 Tony you know, Parker. Parker was right there. That's right, McKenzie, and. You know, I was a Diaw guy, but you know, it was a team. It was a team, no doubt about it. And then Toronto, it took two things. One, a borderline miracle bounce out when Milwaukee was up 2-0, almost won game three in Toronto. And at that point, history would have said it would have been over. That game, I think, went to double overtime. So let's just say one bucket, and Kawhi doesn't win with Toronto. Now he did win. But one bucket. And then I think a lot of people feel like that Golden State would have won if they they didn't have the second injury, right? When KD went down, they still – I mean, that series wasn't that long ago, Jonas. It's not unreasonable to say Golden State wins if Klay Thompson doesn't go down. Yeah, no, they were – it was really, really competitive. Um, so when you see that, you know, two of the big three end up going down, especially in the series like that, it was just a completely different series all the way around. So Kawhi gets the third ring and he gets credit for it. But you could make the case that that he doesn't deserve to be player GM. And I'm not saying he is player GM, but by some effort to please him, it seems like the culture of the Clippers is the antithesis of what a winning culture historically has been. uh, Michael, we can say what we want about glorifying Michael. His last three years with the Bulls, he went, I think it was 82, 82, 82, but it was right. If, If it wasn't, look that up, McKenzie, it was right there. So, like, you three-peat and you don't miss a game? And remember, as we saw in the last dance, Pippen was playing games with management and, and didn't start playing until mid-January or a little later, and Michael kept that team on his back. And to me, you might say, yeah, but we know more about the physiology of this and this. And that's correct. First time. So, remember, Michael comes back. I'm back. Here comes the facts. And he loses to Orlando. And literally the ball gets stolen from him to end the series from behind. And as an early 20-year-old, I looked at that like, what? It's like Superman couldn't fly. <laughs> like At that point, you thought Michael Jordan won. He didn't lose. He won. And what happened? He came back the next three years, played 82, 82, 82, beat the all-time record for wins one of those years, the last year, without Pippen a lot of the year, puts him on his back to win, goes to Utah, wins. And we might say, well, that's old school. Well, is it? Because to this day, it feels like the teams that win. You look, who's won in the NFL during this new era? Oh, Belichick. Is he old school or new school? And I'm not saying there's nothing to learn from 
the new school. So when I say not nothing, that's a double negative on purpose. That means there's something to learn, no doubt. But to forget all the lessons of the old school doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And to this day, it feels like the teams that win are the teams that have some of those old school lessons. And Jonas, I look at the Clippers. What's old school about the Clippers? Nothing. I don't think there is. Yeah. I mean, they've Mackenzie, got... you. Oh, go ahead, Jones. Well, no, I'm just. I mean, they've got some guys that are known for being physical. I think that's why a lot of people like the Rondo edition because they thought, all right, there's some, there's a little bit of a you know old school infusion there. But it just feels like they they just don't know how to respond when things get get tough. And it was and it was illustrated last night. And but what's weird about it is that they responded against Dallas. And then you, and then you get them in a spot like this to where they've got things that are going their way. Like they could health. take a breath. With the minute and, they can take a breath is when yes, they take a breath, it absolutely. seems like. And that was my thought to start with. And real quick, Mackenzie, you were a big, I mean big fan of the Clippers <laughs> last year. Was there anything old school about them? No, I agree with you. From the top down, from Balmer down, everything's about you know revolutionizing the league and doing it different. And listen, Balmer's been a little, you know, he's kind of been successful, no doubt. But <laughs> but the reality is, in basketball at least, you know what? I like it. Meaning, I like that you just can't put a team together and miss a lot of games and think it's okay. Now, we can look at the Nets and say, well, isn't that what's happening? Well, that's an interesting debate. I don't think as much, to be honest. But if all it took was we can add up the rating on you know NBA Jam or something, and whatever <laughs> five has the highest, they're going to win every year, sports would be mighty boring to me. The idea of the Rocky types. You know, Paulo Creed had a lot of talent, but Rocky was hitting meat in the meat in the freezer. That was old school. And the reality is that sometimes the Rockies win. And you know what? Even when they don't win, when it comes close, because don't forget, Rocky won, Rocky lost. But you didn't even know Harley because it was way in the background. He was playing a game bigger than the game. That was to win Adrian's love. But it's a whole <laughs> different thing. If you look at Luca, though, and we're straight out of Vegas, it feels like, and I'm reading these quotes. I mean it, I got to play better or way better. I missed a lot of shots, some layups I should have made. But it wasn't just me. It was the whole team, the energy. And then he's taking off guys that played well. Yeah, and you look at Porzingis, who didn't even have a decent game, but he hit a big shot. He mentions that. The whole team was just there bringing up the energy. When I hear LeBron say something like that, I think it's his PR age. And maybe it's me projecting. This feels genuine. This feels like a team guy who is carrying his team, Luca. But the fact of the matter is... He understands it's a team. And it felt genuine to me. That when you hear Luca talk like this, does it feel contrived to you, Jonas, or genuine? Uh, no, no, it feels genuine. He also said it after the game. He didn't want to make excuses after their loss in game four. He said, you know, I, I, I didn't play well. And, and so we can point to my injury and say I wasn't 100%. I didn't play well. He wasn't satisfied, satisfied with his performance uh, last night. I mean, he scored a lot of points, but he also ended up taking a lot of shots. But he, they, they seem to really rally around him and respond to him. And he's got that Larry Bird aspect to him to where he will get in your face and talk trash the entire game. And that's what he's done <laughs> this whole series. So he's sort of 
hitting them back in the mouth when when the Clippers are expected to be this team that's going to come in, you know, bully around the Dallas Mavericks, especially a guy who's not 100%, and Luka's not playing that. He's coming right in, right at it, right at him and getting in their face. So it's going to be fascinating, but as we said, right now, the Mavs, a 60% chance to advance. I'm rooting for the Mavs. I can't lie. I can't lie. When we come back... We're going to look at an early look at maybe the series of the NBA playoffs. It will be Brooklyn and Milwaukee. And some sharp people I know think Milwaukee has a heck of a chance. We'll do an early preview. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak out against the words that I have... I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will take a closer look at one of the most anticipated series in all the NBA playoffs. And the sharp guys are going a way that might surprise you in this Brooklyn-Milwaukee series. It's a great day to join. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much. You're doing that, spreading the word. And we're going to keep working extra hard to make sure we help the bottom line of batters and the knowledge of the fans. You can listen to us on the iHeartRadio app. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas. Here in Vegas on the Strip, 107 degrees, the neon is pumping. And RJ, we will be taking a closer look at the Milwaukee-Brooklyn series coming up here in just one moment. want to let you know that there's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up. Law enforcement are writing tickets, so why take the risk? Do the smart thing and start buckling up every trip, day or night. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Quick question, Jonas. Yeah. If you're driving and the person that you're in the passenger seat starts to choke... And you have to reach over and try to help them, but the seatbelt's preventing you from doing it. What do you do? Uh, That's one of those moments where you've just got to figure it out. But under no circumstance (laughs) do you unbuckle your seatbelt to to make that happen. All right. right, Listen, I'm just asking questions. (laughs) (laughs) So, RJ, uh, one of the most anticipated matchups in the next round of the NBA playoffs tips off on Saturday, and it's the Bucks at the Brooklyn Nets. That's a 7.30 Eastern time tip-off on TNT. But no doubt about it, one of the matchups in the East semifinals that we are awaiting and watching closely. You know, I've already got tomorrow's question in my head, so it just hit me. (laughs) All right, here's the thing that we got to wonder about this series. How isn't the winner of this series the favorite to win the title? Because if we assume the Lakers get eliminated, and right now, and we're going to spend the whole last segment of the show this hour previewing that, and I've got a best bet on the game, involved in the game. But the Lakers... Mackenzie, what's the current uh, series price for the Lakers? Uh, Lakers have a, a 30% chance to win. Let me get the exact number. Yeah, so we're in the 30% range of the Lakers advancing. If they don't and the Clippers don't, let's think about who's left. we got four teams left in the West. We'd, oh, go ahead. You got it? 
No, sorry, I don't have it yet. Oh, uh, you might want to turn the mic off in between then. He's like, going, I think I, I, I got it here. It's like, you got it? No, no, I don't have it. What are you talking about? Why would I have it? <laughs> That's McKenzie. I'm R.J. Bow. Okay, so Denver, Portland winner. Right? Not going to scare too many people. Yeah. Then you got, in theory, Phoenix. All right, if they advance from the Lakers. You got Dallas, and you got Utah. Which one of those teams are scary to you, Jonas? Which one of those teams would even be th- even think about being favored over uh, Brooklyn's probably favored over anyone, but even Milwaukee if they can beat Brooklyn. I mean, maybe Utah. Maybe. Yeah, Ma- you're right. And that's a you're big right. maybe. Yeah, I mean, and I would say this as much as they. Uh, have you know they lost the first game obviously I wouldn't say there's some big upgrade on Utah from what I've seen this series I mean that net I'd say uh, I'm downgrading him a, a smidge myself yeah I mean Donovan Mitchell coming back I think was was the difference maker but I just don't know that that's enough to warrant you know putting you know Brooklyn or even Milwaukee in a state of fear if they were to meet up in the finals and if you look in the East, you got an Atlanta team that really benefited from uh, Thibodeau not making the adjustment. I mean, listen, he could end up being, I don't think it's been the coach of the year. Oh, no, it was announced. The, the Phoenix uh, guy got, yeah, yeah. Monty Williams. Yeah, but he was right there in the mix. I, I don't know if they showed second or third or whatever, but he was right on many ballots. And rightfully so. The Knicks so exceeded expectations. But this is an example, both Utah, actually, and Atlanta are a good example of how the NBA regular season, this year especially, is more unlike, is more different than the postseason than any sport. NFL football, yeah, intensity goes up, motivation isn't a question in the playoffs usually, but it's very similar. But in the NBA, you've got the intensity difference is massive. You got the rotations get shortened. You got the iterations between games and the adjustments. The Knicks were doing pretty much the same thing in game, you know, when they're eliminated in game five as they were doing in game one. And, you know, give Atlanta credit, they were doing different things to try to combat the changes. And there you go. It was a fairly easy series. So, on one hand, you've got the idea of, in general, there's big differences. And Utah benefited from those because Utah played hard every game. And you might say, well, that's a good thing. You're right. But if you're looking at a team that plays hard every game and you look at their uh, results over 72 games this year, and then you look at a team that plays hard uh, every other game, well, who's got a, a higher ceiling? Who has a ways to go when they do mo- stay motivated all the time? Now, listen, team like the Clippers, they don't even get motivated in the playoffs sometimes. But for the most part, teams are motivated in the playoffs. And thus, the teams that don't have anywhere another gear usually don't do as well in the playoffs as the teams that have similar regular seasons but have another gear. So to me, that means Utah isn't as good as their record was in the regular season. And I'll tell you one more thing. Utah had one of the best, if not best, health runs this year. In a year of COVID, when people were out for a week, you know, 10 days at a time, and there were more injuries seemingly than usual, 
the health really dictated a lot about results because Utah was what? Like a game up on Phoenix, couple games up below. It wasn't like they were 10 games better. It only took three or four more missed games and Utah, you know, from key players, and Utah maybe doesn't have the best record. So, in general, you got to respect what Utah did. They have every chance to make the finals and even win it, but they're not the best team in the NBA. Would you disagree with any of that, John? No, no, I think that's all fair. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't run away with you know the Western Conference. It wasn't like you know they were the Warriors winning seventy three games. I mean, they were the best team record wise. Um, they've got talent. Donovan Mitchell seems like a, a star. If he's not already a superstar, he's on the verge. Um, they've got seemingly a home court advantage. Um, it, you know, like that. That's always been mm-hmm, a conversation mm-hmm. about Utah. But I just don't altitude know. is part of that. Yeah, I just don't know that that's enough. That If you're one of these teams that comes out of the Eastern Conference, you're thinking, man, this could be a really, really grinded well, of a series. Let's be candid. You'd rather play Utah for sure than you'd play the Lakers. I don't care how the Lakers are playing right now. right? If, AD, if there's any chance of AD getting healthy, you want to get rid of the Lakers right now if you can. And I don't care about all the things I don't like about the Clippers. I'd rather play Utah than the Clippers. And I'm not sure many people really feel otherwise. And thus, there's no way Utah is favored over the winner of this Brooklyn-Milwaukee series. And it's a good segue to talk about how Milwaukee looks like they're not as good as they were. So you might be thinking, wait a minute, in 1819... Their net rating, which is a great measure of how good a team is, was plus 8.6. 8.6 points. That's excellent. They didn't even make the finals. Last year, they were plus 9.4. What was that, like the 12th best in history? Yeah, top t- actually top 10. That was one of the 10 best seasons in history Milwaukee had, plus 9.4. This year, they're plus 5.8. So, wait a minute. 8, 6, 9, 4, 5, 8. Heck, they didn't win it the last two years. Why are they winning it this year? That's what people are getting wrong. If you look at Milwaukee, they were smart. They said what we were doing might work in the regular season, but it doesn't work in the postseason. We see it doesn't work, so we're going to do something different. So, they do an all-in trade for Holiday, and you know what? It took a while to integrate him, but he is integrated. And I think we saw against Miami to potent effect. Middleton's Middleton, but if you're the second guy or third guy instead of the second guy, eh, less pressure. You don't have to be as good. And maybe it's the combination of the lack of pressure. He's playing better. You get P.J. Tucker, a guy in certain matchups, because another thing about the playoffs is it's a chess game. you got to be able to play with variety. you got to have multiple approaches. The Knicks had pretty much one approach. It didn't work. They were done. P.J. Tucker helps Milwaukee's multiplicity in what they can do, if that's the right way to say it. And finally, you look at Lopez. He's been rejuvenated. I'm not saying he went to Germany for platelet stuff or whatever, (laughs) but this is a different team, and it's a team better suited, this Milwaukee team than the prior two years. That's the paradox. Last two years, Milwaukee was better in the regular season. This year, they're better for the playoffs. And part of this year's regular season 
failings, we'll say, or a little bit of a drop-off, not failings, drop-off, was about all the different things they were trying. They played a whole game on a West Coast swing where they played zone the whole second half, which they never do that. But they, for whatever reason, they wanted to try that game. They lost that game, but there might be three possessions in this series they need to zone that they wouldn't be ready for if it wasn't for that testing. And to me, Milwaukee didn't just say more of the same. I look at the Baltimore Ravens in the NFL and I think, boy, they're saying more of the same. We don't care that we seem to lose in the playoffs every game, three out of four games now with Lamar. We don't care Kansas City beats us in the regular season every time. We're going to do more of the same. It feels like. We'll see. Well, what we know is last year when they were up 25, Baltimore, they didn't let Lamar throw. They just kept running. They wanted to run it up. That's what the hardballs do. I'm not a fan of the hardballs. He smells. But the fact of the matter is, he likes to run it up. They both do when they can. But they're not getting ready for the playoffs, it seems to me. Milwaukee, Jonas, I think, sacrificed some results in the regular season. And they don't have home court here. But I think they're better suited for the playoffs. What do you think? Yeah, and I also think that they're maybe coming in without all the expectations because Brooklyn's getting so much of the shine and the Sixers are the number one seed that maybe just as a team, maybe Giannis as a star is best suited coming in with low expectations. We were all waiting for them to make the jump the past couple of years. That's why they were seen as such an extreme disappointment. But they seem like they prefer this role being second or third fiddle and conversation in the Eastern Conference as opposed to the previous. Tomorrow we'll have a Game 1 preview. I probably am going to have a best bet on Game 1 in this series. Brooklyn minus 200, Milwaukee plus 180. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. Last commercial break. When we come back, a full segment previewing Lakers Suns Vegas style. I've got a best bet. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And R.J., the NBA playoffs continue later on tonight. A couple of possible elimination games, one between the Nuggets and the Blazers, the other the Suns and Lakers to cap it off. We know that Nuggets and Blazers is going seven, don't we? It seems like (laughs) it almost has to. Blazers favored by five. I tell you, I don't have a feel for that series at all. Yeah. Um, speaking of not having a feel, I got a tweet from, it said Tobias something, and, and, and it said, 
Don't forget my name. Because I was having a little trouble with Tobias's first name. I got the um, <laughs> emphasis wrong. And I said, I like Washington because is Tobias going to really carry the team? Well, him and the Curry brother did. So we were wrong there. In a, a minute or two, I do have a best bet in this Lakers. And this is a full best bet, this Lakers game. Like you said, favored by two. It's, it's kind of going to two and a half in some spots. There's a small chance, a greater than 0% chance that Anthony Davis plays. The real question, though, is does it matter if he's not good enough to be differentiated from his replacement? Meaning that there's a range of health that would allow AD to play but be limited, be hobbled, and the only thing that matters is his ability to play better. It's not like they got to play with four people without him. It's his ability to play better than who would, you know, whatever the rotation would change accordingly. So I'm not optimistic about it at all, even if he plays, that it matters. Lakers are still favored, though. But if you think about the average home court, now that the fans have come back to a great degree, it's been about the home team favored by two when you adjust for how good the teams are. So that means the Suns are pretty much an even team against the Lakers. That's saying a lot about the Suns. And you know, Jonas, it was 13 days ago, I think it was, when we were here ranting and raving before game one that the series price didn't make sense. Yeah. That it, the bookies were telling us the Lakers are not a good bet because everyone and their brother liked the Lakers. And still, they were being offered at a juicy, compelling price. And what did we say? We said, whenever the bookies give you something you want, and it looks like they're wanting you to take it, you don't want to take it. It looks like it's going to pan out here. What do you think? Yeah, and it just seems like every time the Lakers win a game in this series, there's a more drastic move um, in the opinion on this series than there is the Suns. Because if the Lakers were up 3-2 right now, if roles were reversed, Lakers are up 3-2, I, I, the, the, I would say majority of people just assume, oh, they're going to close it out in six. But because yeah, it's Phoenix, it, there still feels like, oh, no, no, this is going to go seven. They got LeBron. They got, you got to watch out. So it just feels like it's, it's always slanted towards the Lakers a little. It's called the gambler's fallacy is the concept that you can't imagine something happening even and you don't account for the. It's like if I flip a coin <laughs> nine straight times and it's heads nine straight, the next flip is 50 50. But people are going to go, no way is it going to be 10 straight heads. <laughs> and, and I think the idea of the Lakers losing for the first time in his career, LeBron losing in the first round, it's hard to comprehend. I got a best bet and it's really simple. Right? I could act like it's coming from here or there or whatever. I have a number of DFS people I listen to that really understand rotations, who gets time, who's going to get usage, who's going to get their shots. And who's not getting their shots is Drummond. Lakers, center, Drummond, I believe will be underused. I think what we're going to see is other players that they need the offense more are going to play. And thus... My best bet for you is Drummond under nine and a half points. I think Gasol gets more time than you might think, but Drummond's odds are up everywhere. The over-under is nine and a half. Under points for Drummond, nine and a half. Best bet from R.J. Bell. 
We are straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. If you missed any of today's show, you can check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com, including a best bet on tonight's Suns-Lakers matchup. Go to foxsportsradio.com, search straight out of Vegas. We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio, and as always, on the iHeartRadio app. Straight out of Vegas! 